it's a very special feeling. Um, and really, I'm clear the night sky, when you look at it, it, what you are saying does become very literal. It's uh, a dome of a dark sky and stars everywhere and the earth. Uh, last time covered with thunderstorms here and there with um, some small sprays of lightning and every once in a while city lights in the clouds and it uh, is very much like a storybook and the crew that I'm working with out here all of us work so well together and it's such an honor and privilege to be able to share this very Welcome to the Inhale, Exhale podcast. I'm your host, Lincoln Bruner, and the woman you just heard was astronaut Kalpana Chavla speaking from space with the Prime Minister of her native India from the space shuttle Columbia shortly before she and her crewmates tragically lost their lives when the Columbia suffered a heat shield malfunction and disintegrated upon re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere on February 1st, 2003. Even though Kalpana Chavla was the first Indian woman in space, she may not be a familiar name to you, but to a little girl born in southern India in 1995 named Anu Ailey, Kalpana Chavla was a hero. And as Anu herself grew up to be a promising young engineering student, she wanted to be just like her hero. As God would have it, Kalpana Chavla earned her master's degree in aerospace engineering just up the road from Fielder Church at the University of Texas at Arlington. Because Anu had read everything she could about Kalpana Chavla, early on she set her sights on studying engineering at UTA, just so she could be like her childhood hero. And that brings us to our story today, the story of a brilliant young engineer who came to America to find knowledge, only to find much more than that, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Today on the program, you're going to hear from Anu herself how God engineered the relationships that guided her to faith in Jesus, including a friendship with a young woman named Molly, and also a friendship with Leslie Langford, who works with a ministry called International Students Incorporated at UTA. Kicking off the program, as usual, is Fielder Church lead pastor Jason Predis, who's talking about Fielder's emphasis on investing to send, and why investing in people for the purpose of sending them into the world as witnesses for Jesus is so critical to the mission of the church. So thank you for joining us on the Inhale, Exhale podcast. We hope you leave encouraged and inspired by what you hear. Well, welcome back. Jason, thanks for coming in again. Yeah, my pleasure. It's uh, it's really a pleasure to have you back in here. And I, uh, I really am uh, struck by one thing, how appropriate the stories we're getting uh, are to what we're focusing on as a church, mm-hmm. these fielder five, these these principles uh, that we're that we're plunging into as a as a congregation really are very appropriate to what God's doing. Can you review the fielder five for us real sure. quick, and then and we can get talking about uh, a couple yeah. finer points. And so, and even before I, I list out the fielder five, yeah. the the whole concept of the fielder five is. God has given us a vision, yeah. a 10-year vision of who he, he's calling us to strive to become. Uh, all kinds of beautiful things uh, in that vision that God has given us of discipling 10,000 people, of 
sending 500 mentors in the school, 1,000 children adopted foster parents, giving away $6 million, and uh, people confessing Christ by the hundreds and getting baptized and sending out missionaries uh, to the, the whole world. Uh, 1,400 people sent out, 100 of them to the ends of the earth. And just these types of numbers, and they're uh, real specific and clear, uh, not promises from God, but places where he's saying, I, I want you to strive toward this. But we, as we were early on thinking through, how do we communicate this vision? How do we help people have handholds on this idea of what it means to inhale and exhale the gospel and make disciples to do the same? Mm-hmm. Realize that uh, it can become too ethereal if we're not yeah. careful. It's just hard to grab a hold of or too much to try to remember. And so yeah, let's, let's make it simple. Let's just create these five principles that if we can live by these five principles, we talk to covenant members, these are the five things we're asking you to live by, because if you do this, all the rest of the vision will just naturally happen. Yeah. Uh, and so these five principles, the filter five, are that the, the hooks, uh, the, the pegs that we can hang all the rest of the vision on. Mm-hmm. And so you start off, uh, we invest so we can send. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of multiplication, of investing in someone who invests in someone who invests in someone who invests in someone, yeah. they're constantly being sent out. We choose radical generosity. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about generosity, it's not just a mundane medium, it's radical. And it's not just something that happens upon us, it's something that we choose, we step into purposefully. Yeah. Uh, like we spoke about last week, we pursue imperfect people. Yeah. Uh, this idea of, of not putting up with imperfect people, but, but leaving everything to go find them, to bring them in, right. uh, the very attitude of Jesus. Uh, we expand by planting. And this is, uh, there's going to be a great story, I know, in a future podcast where we'll walk through this, but uh, this idea that we're constantly taking the, the seed of the gospel to where people are, not expecting them to come to us, we're going to take the gospel to them, whether that's campuses or whether that's church plants, whether that's local, the uh, U.S., or to the ends of the earth. We always want to expand by planting. And then finally, we celebrate differences. Uh, and, and again, word choice is really important here. It's this idea of the beautiful tapestry of diversity in the world that we celebrate when they come into our church. We don't, right. Again, we don't put up with it. Uh, we, don't, uh, we don't just say, oh, golf clap, it came. It's, yeah. I mean, we, are, we are in the moment of, of popping fireworks uh, with joy of yeah. what this diversity looks like coming in. So those are the Fielder Five, and they really drive the way that we look at the vision. Very good, very good. So let's, uh, let's talk about number one. Okay, let's do it. Talking about investing to send, there's really uh, a, a twofold meaning within right. that. And it's implicit in the wording. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to kind of plunge into that and talk about what we mean as uh, a church when we say to the world, we're investing to send. Yeah. So let's talk about that, that, that uh, concept of investment for a moment, if we can. Yeah, absolutely. And as, our, um, you know, as our, our mission statement says, you know, we're, we're investing to send so that people can invest to send over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And there's a concept uh, pretty intrinsic to Christianity uh, that that entails. So let, let's yeah. talk about that. Well, so I, I love the idea that we, we're going to start with the idea of investment. What does that What does that even mean? Yeah. Because naturally, oh, that means money. Right. You know. But we have a different one as we choose radical generosity. So this right. isn't this isn't that one. So apparently, we're speaking about something other than money. Investment in this first one, we invest to send, is about human resource, not about financial resource. Right. It's primarily you have been given a life for a purpose, and that purpose is to invest that life in someone else. So that person can invest that life in someone else. So we're saying you invest you in someone else. But the whole idea of it is you're investing 
in that person so that you can send that person off to invest in someone else. Now, you may not send them away very, very far away. It may just be uh, to another person in your community or at your school, or it may be you send that person to the ends of the earth so they can invest. So the idea of it, that multiplication of investing this in is a person to a person to a person. Well, if you really think biblically about where that comes from, that comes from the Great Commission. Right. In Matthew 28, in the very end of the, the chapter, whenever Jesus is giving his last words over his disciples, he says, uh, basically, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And look, I'll be with you to the end of the age. So this, this command to make disciples, uh, and, and there's, a, there's a lot wrapped up in that idea mm-hmm. of uh, that great commission that I think we overlook, but, mm-hmm. and we get caught up in some of the details of it, but he says, uh, go therefore and make disciples, and I think the idea of making a disciple is something the church has missed pretty, uh, mm-hmm. pretty heavily. How so? Uh, you know, we, we, we think of discipleship, and we use that word, and typically we mean Bible study. It's, it's learn about Jesus. Right. It's knowledge-based. Intrinsically, we know we've read the Scripture enough to know that knowledge can puff up and make someone arrogant and proud, and you see that in the Pharisees, yeah. and yet somehow we've forgotten to translate that over the church and realize that if we make a bunch of head-knowledge Christians, we're, we're just making spiritually obese Christians. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't mean it's going to help them necessarily. Right. And even you go back to the Great Commission, it says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then it says teaching them to obey all that Christ has commanded. The way we normally look at it is we're going to teach them what Christ commanded. And like, okay, we did it. No, 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 that's not what it says. It says teach them to obey what Christ commanded. And that's a whole different level of disciple. We call it disciple making. It's walking with a person. You can't obey what Christ commanded unless you know what Christ commanded. So there is a knowledge portion that needs to be there. It's the first part. It's the first part, absolutely. But honestly the vast majority of Christians know way more than they actually obey. Yeah. They, they have an obedience problem, not a knowledge problem. So we know what Jesus says, but we're not, we're not obeying what Jesus says. And the only way to learn how to obey is for that to be modeled for you. That's life on life. Right. And so this whole concept is I, I, I want to invest who I am and just a few other people. That's where you get into the, the concept of discipleship groups where I'm going to take the Jesus model. I got my 12, that's my community group, but I've also got my three. I've got Peter, James, and John. I'm investing specifically in them. Right. And Jesus has taken them up to the Mount of Transfiguration. He's taken them into that home where there's someone who he's going to raise from the dead. And he's saying, let me show you, let me model for you what this looks like. Mm-hmm. He's teaching them to obey what he's commanding them. Right. And so we need to come back to that same blo- blocking and tackling of the Great Commission. Go make disciples. How? You teach them to obey what Christ commanded. And so we're saying we need to create a mechanism, a machine, uh, that we, we go back to the very simplistic command of Jesus where we're going to take a few people and we're going to model for them. We're going to teach them to obey through accountability, through study. We're going to learn what it means to look like Jesus, to live like Jesus, to do what Jesus said. Because ultimately he said, this is what it means to love me. Mm-hmm. You do what I command. Right. Well, I, I want to, but I may not know how. I, I may fall short in certain areas. And so having a life invested in me can equip me to obey so that now I can be sent to whatever that field looks like and I can invest in someone else, model for them, teach them how to obey what Christ commanded and send them out. And, I mean, we, we all understand multiplication enough to know just a few generations of that and it's this wild and crazy movement that no one can stop. That's that's really the heartbeat behind this uh, idea of investing to send. Right. And that's really, uh, to, to put a uh, kind of a, 
a business uh, analogy to it, that's what apprenticeship is all about. Absolutely. Because you would never teach an apprentice to do something without expecting him or her to actually do it. Right. You wouldn't. The, the, the knowledge has a, a purpose. Right. And it's that you will begin to use this and then hopefully someday teach someone else to do the same. Yeah. So. Well, you, you think about the, the collegiate model is one of my favorite things. Yeah. Uh, it, the it's a great model for learning, absolutely, and highly recommend it. Kids out there, go to school, go to college, <laughs> stay but, in school. But it's stay in school. Don't do drugs. But it's a um, it's a really interesting model because it produces people who have a lot of head knowledge who don't mm -hmm. have a whole lot of experience, right. and you have this generation of people coming out of college thinking they know everything, right. but they really don't know anything, right. and they they don't know what they're doing, and they think they're God's gift to humanity because of the knowledge in their heads, right. but they've never been taught. This is why. You have to have entry-level positions is where you have a lot of mentorship and, and right. good companies are realizing I got to snatch these these kids even early on while they're in college right I got to give them training programs so that all that head knowledge is actually being converted into action right and then that produces the right kind of worker for the future right. this is really the same model yes. in the church yes. we've we've produced the collegiate kid who thinks they know everything but don't know how to do anything spiritually mm -hmm. and now we're saying oh, we got we got to go back we've missed a step right. let's go back because to be honest with you, we don't want to send those people to the ends of the earth because all they do is get in a whole bunch of trouble and make people mad because they right. think they know all the answers, but they've never really entered into life. Right. They, they don't know how to obey Christ. And so it's, it's coming back to the drawing boards, and we've got to rethink how this works. Let's give them on-the-job training while they're learning as they go along. That's the idea of investing to send. Well, one of the local ministries that Fielder is very invested in is International Students Incorporated, mm -hmm. and that's the, the subject of a second part of this podcast. Yeah. And international students is all about meeting students where they live. Right. right. They're here. They're not familiar with their environment. Mm -hmm. They are brand new here. Some of them are, are scared. Some of them are uh, very intimidated by the new the newness of American culture. Some are, some are not, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, they're very comfortable here. But the idea of reaching out to them first uh, as friendship partners, as, uh, as people that those students can count on, is sort of uh, modeling, in mm -hmm. a way, what we're talking about here. Absolutely. And one of the things when it comes to local missions, um, I was just kind of wondering your thoughts on, on how things like ISI and other ministries mm -hmm. typify what you're talking about when, yeah. it, when it comes to the, the real action, the real obedience of the gospel. This is where I really, I love so much the, the beauty of how God has given us these principles to live by, because I think he created them in such a way uh, that are... Uh, they're intended to be broader than just you know, more than meets the eye, if you will. So invest to send is definitely a disciple-making aspect uh, in its origin. But there's a double entendre that we spoke about earlier uh, to it. And the, the other part of it is you invest to send, and that sending can be anywhere in, in the entire globe. I mean, that, that's to take the gospel to where people, that's a missionary endeavor. And so we invest specifically in people to send people out. And so you definitely see a, a mission arm to this principle of investing to sin. And this is where I think ISI becomes so profound. Uh, because y you know, I know uh, the beauty of the global world that we live in, the international world we live in, is that the, the nations have come to us. You can go to UTA right now, and you can see one of the most beautiful tapestries of diversity in the world. I mean, you, you have India, you have China, you have... Africa, you have Europe, you have Latin America, every nation, you know, is, is coming to here and it is in our backyard. And there's this incredible opportunity we have to invest our time 
in the world who is now beside us to send them back to the world. And uh, it's really, uh, I, I had a dream the other day that I think uh, fed into this. And I'm, I'm not usually a big like, oh, I had a vision dream kind of guy. Um, and I haven't really told many people about this dream, so it's just now getting out, I guess. Uh, so pay attention, people. I was, um, it was a, you know, probably about two or three in the morning. I know it because I woke up when it was over and, and I was so struck by it. But it was uh, a dream of me walking through the uh, atrium of the Arlington campus, you know, the hallway and outside the Metro Center. And, and as I was walking through there, I just saw the nations in our church building. There were people who had beautiful African garb on. There were people who had beautiful Indian uh, clothes on. There were people who had very Chinese-looking uh, um, clothes they were wearing, and they were all speaking these different languages to each other, and there was this glorious sound of the, the hum of all these beautiful languages being spoken right inside our church building. And then, boom, I just woke up. And I remember at that moment having the sense of, oh, God, was that a vision? Is that what you're going to do, Lord? Or... Or whatever it is, I want that, God. That's that. That's beautiful. It's heaven on earth, and and I've I've been I just kind of filed it away. You know, I'm praying. Through, I don't really know what it means necessarily, but I talked it over with some of the leadership team and praying about it. And I just began to wonder: Is the Lord saying to us that with the school that He's put so close to us, UTA, that we have an opportunity to engage the nations? And what if one day? Because people from Fielder were investing in people on that campus, sharing their life with them, uh, drawing them into not just their, their family, but their faith and who they are. Uh, as the Apostle Paul says, I'm delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but my whole life as well, because you become that dear to us. That as we would do that, people would be drawn in to our story, which the gospel is a part of. And would they, in that moment, come to faith in Christ? And what if they gather together in the worship gathering that we have on our campuses, from all the nations, and they're being encouraged, they're being taught to obey what Christ commanded, they're being discipled, and then that glorious moment comes when we lay hands on them in the worship services, we send them back to these closed countries they're coming from that we cannot even get into with the gospel because they won't let us, but they go back and they know the language and they know the culture and they're able to engage people uh, from the very beginning with the gospel, this very gospel they've discovered here in the U.S. and been developed in our church, and now their missionaries being sent all of a sudden I realized this is, this is what God is calling us to do right here, to invest in these students so that one day we can send these students. And these students, some of them are college age, some of them are master's level, some are PhD level, but they're being sent back to some of the highest levels of leadership in their own countries. And they have opportunity to spread the gospel that we would never have otherwise. And so this, I think, is one of the ways that we can partner with organizations like ISI to invest so that we can send to the ends of the earth. Yeah. And they're not going alone because that's, that's another thing, too. You, I could only imagine having come from a country that is hostile toward the gospel and coming to the U.S., meeting Christ, being utterly changed by him, discovering the goodness of the, of the grace of the gospel, wanting nothing more than my family and my friends to know the gospel, and then to go back to a place that says we want none of that. If they're alone and isolated, they, they won't be able to stand. But so much of the investment is life on life. And so now they go and they're not alone. Even if it's just the prayers of the saints back here, uh, and there's a relational connection. They go back because a life has been invested in a life that's been sent. And so they know they're not alone. And they know they're not warring by themselves. And I think that's going to sustain some people who desperately need it. We're here talking with 
Manu Aidney and Leslie Langford. And we're so happy that you're here with us. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, we have a, uh, a whole world of difference between our two cultures, but we have this very strong commonality now with Jesus. And so, Anu, I, I want to just find out a little bit more about your upbringing. What, tell us about the place you grew up. Yes, I grew up in India, South India, that is Karnataka. And I was born in Gadag, which is a small town. Um, like from Bangalore, it's around eight hours away. So basically, I grew up in a town and never been outside uh, the state, even in my, my state. So I went to study uh, uh, Hubli, which is like an hour from Gadag. So I'm very um, family-oriented, and um, I can say that for me, family is everything and the community around me. And my father is a civil engineer, so he has a vision to develop the city in a way he can do, like taking a part in building roads, uh, water tanks, homes, temples, schools, all that he takes. So I can say that most of the part in the um, city is built by my father, so it's like a kind of proud and... Yeah, he takes initiative in that. And as a as a girl, uh, as a elder, a g elder daughter in my family, I was always um, uh, made to honor and worship gods. So my mother is a very devotee of gods, and I used to worship uh, all the time, like uh, in my home, without ask asking any questions, like who God is or why are we uh, worshiping so many gods or why are we visiting so many temples. Uh, on different days and many questions and and there was always no answers for that so I keep on searching that's how I came to US um, for my studies to seek my higher uh, academics excellence in my studies and but there is always these questions behind my head uh, popping up to find answers so tell me a little bit about uh, your studies in India and then how exactly you came mm -hmm. to Arlington Yes, that's a kind of miracle, I can say. Uh, it might be, s uh, sounds strange for some people, but that's what happened. So uh, as a elder uh, in my family, uh, my father loves me a lot. I can see the unconditional love, which is so amazing. That's how I met Jesus. It's just a replica of uh, a love that I saw on earth. So he doesn't want me to send to uh, US or any other place because he thinks that uh, he doesn't want. He just don't want to, to take a risk that uh, my child should go somewhere he doesn't even know, and that's how he was worried. So in the process, after completing my engineering, I I was more into um, uh, looking and exploring what things around why U.S. is so famous or why why things are different uh, than here. So as a curious girl, always tried to find. I was applying for the universities at the time when I completed. And meanwhile, my father was applying for the grooms, you know, like finding a groom for my marriage. So in the same time, there was in the same time, there was two things happening together. I finding shortlisting the universities and doing all my process of documentation, getting recommendation from colleges and all those process, which were everything were new and no one ever went to went in my family. So to the outside, you outside the states or the country. So I found myself uh, all the information. And the meanwhile, my father was finding these uh, grooms and sending my bio data. 
and and this this thing happened that when i went to photo studio to take a picture for my passport my father was taking my picture to send to the grooms so everything was happening like this and as i hear back from the university about selection i got a reply back from three universities uh, two of them offered a scholarship and that's where my father's heart began to change that he thought like yes my daughter has to go and go for studies so that's how he sold sold some properties and made a way for financially and mentally that yes i'll send my daughter and it's her dream to go and uh, so that's how the scholarship actually in the email what there's something strange happened so the email uh, sent uh, from the bridgeport university which is in connecticut it stated that i got a scholarship of $36000 which is like almost equivalent to the whole tuition but after like a 3 weeks i got back reply saying that uh, the scholarship was only for $6000 that was a miss error which was something uh, happened like that but wow. uh, but the first email made my father to think that Yes, I have to think and I have to make prepare for my daughter to go so that he started mm-hmm. doing financial arrangements like uh, selling properties and asking people that yeah I can I need to send. So maybe I think it's God's plan to work in that way. So when I look back I just feel the God was working uh, he was wanting me to come here and know him. I just think that that's amazing miracle that happened coming here and knowing him. And this is a kind of miracle that I feel is amazing. Absolutely. So, how did you make your way to Arlington in particular? Did, did you get a scholarship offer from U- UTA? No, that's that's again a thing. Uh, so, the two of the universities are in Connecticut, but this is when I looked into all the three universities, the ranking wise this was the top and for me Kalpana Chawla was a inspiration. She grew from India and came here as became astronaut and she was amazing in her field. And from the very early childhood I was always uh, reading her biography and when I got to know that she studied in UTA, I just made my mind that I want to study here. So, uh Leslie, I'd like to ask you a couple questions. You met Anu when? I met Anu at the Big Howdy party last year. She had been in the states maybe a couple of weeks and came to the Big Howdy party and we got introduced and just started hanging out and doing things together through ISI. Tell us a little bit about ISI and and the Big Howdy party. Um can you give people a little background on that? Sure. Um ISI is International Students Incorporated and we are here just to uh, be here for international students when they come to America. The Big Howdy is a thing we do at UTA to welcome students in some very practical ways like picking them up at the airport, taking them to Walmart to go shopping. Uh we have a used item giveaway so if they don't have furniture, they can come get furniture. And then the big party, we have lots of food and then we teach them to um country and western line dance. We have a great lady who comes and teaches them to line dance and it's lots of fun. All right. And then when the line dancing is over, they turn on the cultural music and so you've got some bali dancing going on and it's lots of fun. And so there's around 1000 students that come to that and we do that every year. So UTA is really a magnet for a lot of international students, correct? It is. About how many international students uh go to UTA right now? Um it's usually between 7000 and 8000. it fluctuates. So it's a huge community of students from all over the world mm-hmm. that are coming here to study in various fields, right. engineering included. 
as a minister on campus, what are your thoughts about that? How do you approach a group of students that's so large? Tell us a little bit about what ISI does to, to reach the students who are coming from all over the world. Our goal really is just to build relationships with them. Um, we want to bless them in any way that we can and build relationships with them. We don't want them to feel homesick. You know, we want them to find community and find friendships. And so everything we do is for that purpose, is just to, um, to be there for them and to be that welcoming voice um, so that they can come here and learn our culture and get help with language and really just anything that they need to make them feel welcome here in America. That's wonderful. Anu, uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, when you first met Leslie? What, what happened? Like, just can you, can you just walk me through that, that day? Okay. So I met Leslie in the ISI, as she told, and she was very cheerful and very entertaining, I can say. I just love the way she talks, and um, we exchanged our numbers, and we met again. Um, for cycle riding, bike riding, and that's where we uh, had a lot of time to spend with. And I mean, while and I had been admitted to doctor at once, and she was taking care of me like a mother, and wow. that's amazing. So yeah, I I don't remember every single time was blessed time with her. Yeah. Very good, Anu. How old are you? Twenty three. Twenty three. And did you know anybody here in Arlington when you came? No, I didn't know anyone. <laughs> what was that like for an Indian student, a mm-hmm. uh, young woman coming to Arlington, Texas, a yeah. uh, very different place? What was that like for you? Quite nervous and excited, but I'm very curious about knowing everything, like what it is. So I wanted to involve in all different organizations or groups that's, uh, that I see or uh, that are heard from. Um, university so that's how I tried to explore things and that's how I got to know from about ISI and church so yeah meeting their people and the next time I feel like yes I'm at home so that's amazing yeah have you made other friends at UTA yes I did yeah some of them are from the India and they were the st- my beginning friends and uh, I also invited them for the ISI and uh, we had a big community it, uh, who are all interested to uh, meet the Americans and know because at the first they think that kind of um, s- uh, scary people like I don't know how do I speak even my English is not even fluent and sometimes maybe like what they are speaking I don't understand like, the culture wise everything is so different. So but yeah people were genuine about uh, you know knowing about what's, what's, what's our background is and where we come from and they were all genuine about everything so that's made me uh, talk to them and get involved. Very good. So as your friendship evolved and, and you mm-hmm. got closer and got to know each other better, can you tell me a little bit about uh, how the subject of Jesus came up? So Anu, I'll start with you, and then yeah. I want to hear from Leslie. So for me, I think so. Uh, knowing Jesus is a whole um, journey from different people that I'm surrounded, it's not just ISI, because ISI was used to be on Fridays and it was a fun night. And I saw people inviting at their home and feeding us with Mm -hmm. great food Mm -hmm. made by them and uh, just having fun and talking about that. I was just thinking why these people are doing this. 
Yeah. They never do in India. Right. Yes, and maybe they do, but I never saw that thing. <laughs> but yes, right. Yes, so it. I had this question: Why they are so genuine about people uh, inviting? Uh, mm. That's a question apart. But I met some people from church. Uh, that's Molly, and she is amazing, a lady uh, who actually shared their shared her faith. Um, because we were very close at that time. Like she gives a Walmart ride and other needs that I'm needed. So she shared her faith with me and I I started to think about my faith mm -hmm. because growing up in India it's always uh, important to know that all the students all the um child born with the fresh on you know academics rather than think about these thoughts of where do I go after I die or what's why are we here what's the purpose so it's for me it was always this thing that I have to be best in my studies mm. academics so that I can be in the top of the everything and uh, yeah do my best so that's how I grew up but uh, my mom always told me to worship gods uh, give a bhakti that we say which is a devotion so I am very um, focused on what what I was doing but but I didn't knew the light which, which I'm uh, devoting to. So this is how uh, my background is. And so then later on... better friends. How did the subject of, of Jesus come up? Okay. So uh, as I uh, talk about Molly, she is the one... Uh, she was always there for me. And we started to talk about the faith. She told about gospel that Jesus came and died and he rose back uh, again after three days, which was a very interesting thing to me because in India I knew about Jesus on Christmas Day where we had a holiday in our schools. Okay. So I had a question like why we have a holidays this day. So my mother told that there is a God, uh, Western God, Jesus, who died. And there was some video, uh, I mean, shows in our TVs, which I saw the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. So I just heard, I just thought that, yeah, he might be one God. And yeah, they do respect. It's not for us because we already have 330 crores of deities worshipping in India. So that's how it is. And I started to read Bible just to disprove or criticize or have a debate with the Americans right. uh, so that I can defend my faith. You know, so that's how I started. When I took, she gave me a Bible that one day at church and I just took it uh, with a great devotion because I do respect every God. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to know what, what is there in Bible. Right. Because people who I see who's, who share their love and uh, uh, just a welcoming as a family member, they are so amazing and this is all because everyone says that this is because of Jesus or Bible. And right. that's that's why I started to read. And when I opened Bible and started to read, I didn't know anything how to start with. Everything seems so, yeah, because I was not believing at that time. So I took a help of Molly to read with her every week, once a week. Um, uh, like I committed that time just to read with her verse by verse. And we started reading from the New Testament some of the verses that stood to me that is um, that Jesus gave his only only son uh, for us to die on the cross. Mm. And I just imagine my father's love and if he would have given my, me to people uh, to the world for, for to die. I just imagine that, you know, the relationship, uh, how it is and. Uh, and I knew that my father is an amazing person. That's that's the m that's the most um, wonderful thing that I can experience. And I, w I wanted to have a love with the heavenly father. So 
uh, I just uh, that was a long process and meanwhile I was not a holy enough or uh, I mean I am a sinner so yeah. accepting that was a big part but mm-hmm. as I started to recall my life uh, I, I lied my father yeah. uh, I, I used to sometimes uh, with my friends I used to hang out outside and I used to lie and all those things which was not right and yeah. that's where I admitted and I, I accepted that I'm a sinner and I want to be saved so and Jesus saved me, and he showed his grace, amazing grace. That's wonderful. Uh, Leslie, tell me about watching Anu proceed in faith toward Christ. It was amazing, and she's such a great example of how we truly believe that students, um, they do have to have a lot of different touches from different people. Right. Um, this isn't about just us, you know, sharing the gospel. They, they have lots of different people who are investing in their lives right. and loving them and, and pouring truth into them. And so it was so cool to watch her and just to sit back and see all of the different people that God sent to her and they all had a, a part to play. Yeah. So my part was really just kind of being there for her when she had questions um, and just kind of talking with her through some things. Um, she's going through some things right now, just sharing her faith with her family. And so right. we get to have conversations about that and, really just to be listening and encouraging um, her as she's kind of walking this journey that she's going on. And mostly we just want them to know um, that we're here for them and that we love them and we're praying for them. And so we're just kind of here to be a resource however they need us to be. That's tremendous. And as uh, an ISI staff member, you're a supported missionary. Yes. To students there. Can you tell us a little bit about how a little bit more about how ISI is seeking to uh, strengthen students' faith and, and, as you said, just befriend them. Mm-hmm. You know, Anu said that um, she wondered why we did these things for them. And I get asked that all the time by students. Like, why do you take your time to do this? And why do you all feed us? And why do you take us places? Right. And it's such a great way for me to say, well, it's because, and I get to tell them about Jesus. Yes. I get to tell them because he's very clear that we are to love people and yes. we have the, he's brought so many people from the world to us right here in Arlington who would have a hard time hearing the gospel where they come from. Some of them wouldn't be able to at all. And right. um, I've had conversations with students. I talk, I guess I must talk about Jesus a lot just when I'm talking and sure. they'll look at me and go, who's Jesus? Who's this Jesus person you're talking about? Mm-hmm. And so they truly haven't ever heard of Jesus. And so they're just observing and wondering why we do these things. It's a great way for us to share with them. Well, it's because God loves you and he wants us to love you. And I have him in my life and I want him in your life. And it's just a great way to begin that conversation with them. And so that's a lot of what we do. Um, I just kind of seek students out on campus um, and just try to start conversations with them and Um, have done Bible study with students. Um, I'm very clear with them that they are my friend and I love them no matter what their decisions are, no matter what they believe. Um, That is not going to stop my my love for them and my friendship for them is genuine. Um, So that's one of the first things I try to convey to them when I begin that relationship is just, I truly just love you and want to be your friend. Very good. Anu, I wanted to ask you a little bit about after you decided to become a Christian, when you told your family, uh, can you tell me a little bit about 
how that uh, happened and what happened when you had that conversation. Okay, that's um, so it's still happening. It didn't happen because it's. I think it's a st- battle that's gonna happen. Uh, that's gonna last for a long time until they know Jesus. I mean, I need to fight it every single day, defending my heavenly Father to earthly Father. Because for family, uh, I think uh, our father is the head and whatever decision he takes is up to for whole family, even for our relatives and everyone. So I try, I just told this thing to my father. Uh, I shared that I uh, read Bible and I read Bible and I follow Jesus. I didn't mention that I became a Christian and I don't want to remain no more as a Hindu, uh, which I am stick to it, born to it. So I mentioned him that I do go to church and read Bible and I follow the teachings of Jesus. So my father said me that uh, he is open to the uh, teach, open to what I am doing, like reading through the scriptures. He says get a knowledge about it, but don't become Christian. That's what he says, and I don't understand what he has in his mind about uh, being a Christian. So yeah, I'm just praying through. Um, and knowing him more uh, in deep about his faith and I'm writing through letters asking some questions like who do you think is God and do you think we are born divine or are we sinners and why sometimes in your in, in our life is out of control and who is the solution for it uh, does God is a control of everything so these are the questions I always I, I have come up with and writing him a letter to uh, get the answers for from him and then share my faith and that's how I'm praying for it. So that's how it is happening right now, the state of. Is that a little intimidating for you? It's so so much intimidating. Yes, it's it's. Um, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's very hard, but I think Jesus will help me. Have you found that when you think about your relationship with your parents, have you found uh, uh, in the scriptures any? stories that compare to this yes it's a contrasting um there are two contrasting uh, opinion or i can say the concept of honoring parents one time one i mean in some part of bible it says honor your parents yes which is very important and once they say it's like uh, it came jesus came to bring a division among uh, father and mother and daughter and son so yes i want to keep up the first one yes and when you think about the love your parents have shown for you um, and how that prepared you to accept the love of our Heavenly Father, yes, that's true. Uh, you find a lot of joy in that. That's what I've heard you say so far. Yeah, that's true. So I think I saw Jesus is just because of my father. Yes. So that's the true thing. And do you believe that God brought you here to Arlington to meet Christ? Yes, that's true. As a student and as a very curious person, uh, you seem to be somebody who's very open to new truth and, and new new ideas. Uh, tell, can you tell me a little bit about the, uh, the concepts in the Bible that have really given you joy? Uh, wh- and when you've, when you've looked through the scriptures the p- for the past year, mm-hmm. what are some things that have really given you a lot of hope and joy? Okay, first of all, I don't know everything about Bible. And I mean, it's, it's uh, impossible because... Neither do I. <laughs> yes, that's true. I think what for me, Bible is complete. It has everything. It's a life. Just says the 
the truth, the life, and the way, which is amazing. I just felt that. So uh, if you think if you have a Bible, then you your life is complete. Just read through his words. Every single word is such a life in action. It speaks to you directly where, from wherever you are. Yes. Just ask. It will be given. Knock. It will be open. And, and seek, you will find. Yes. Yes. So your decision has, has really made a, a, a huge difference in the direction that your life is taking academically now, yes, I understand. Exactly. So you came to UTA as an engineering student. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, what uh, degree you're pursuing and, and the, uh, the future course of study that you're planning now? Yes, I'm planning to, it's the direction that God is directing me to seek seminary. And I told my father about it, and it's hard to when he understands like what's happening with my daughter. So, and I say that financially, I'll take care of it. You don't have to worry, and I'll honor you completely. When I go go back home, I'll take the degree of electrical engineering, engineering what he was wanted me to. But for now, it is so clear for me that I have to seek his words, and I need to tell the truth to my people and basically my family, which I'm I seem that it's not going to be easy because. Hindu, uh, Hinduism is something so diverse and even if you are born as a Hindu, you don't consider as each of the person in the family believes the same thing. So before, so it's a calling from my God, from God that I have to seek his words and seek every time and know the way what, what he wants me to do. Just find the will uh, that he has on my life. I'm not sure when I'll be going back, but uh, for me now is to seek Lord and even if it is hard, um, if he tells me to go back home, I will be. But I want to seek his words rather than rebelling against him or just taking my will. Yeah. Very good. And where are you planning to go to seminary? Uh, Southwestern uh, Baptist Theology at Fort Worth, yeah. Very good. When are you planning to graduate from UTA? Uh, so I'm actually holding my UTA uh, engineering and I'm going to the seminary. So it's going to be a two-year pro program, but I'm holding for a year and then go back to the seminary. And so this is so loud and clear for me that for me, I think s glorifying God's kingdom is the greatest. Uh, I mean, it's the main motto of every single human beings he created, not just going for your he wants me to, if he wants me to, he will uh, somehow um, show me the way to continue. But for me, it's it's so clear that you have to glorify your fathers, heavenly fathers, and yeah, follow his words. That is extraordinary. So you're putting your master's degree on hold and all of your dreams of being an electrical to engineer uh, yes. and going to seminary, which will be a, a two to three year process. Yes. What kind of uh, encouragement, what kind of, uh, uh, I guess we'd call it feedback, have you gotten from people here about going to seminary? What are, what are some things you've been hearing from your friends? Yes, the uh, one who are non-believers, which I was uh, friended with uh, at the very beginning, they think that I'm crazy, but I do ask them sometimes, what do you think is your purpose in life or will be? And yeah, sometimes we have these questions and the answers are always, you know, mocking or something like that. But I know that when you follow Jesus, it's the road cannot be a simple one. It's going to be persecuted and they will t uh, mock you all the way just because you are following Jesus. 
so i do agree with that and i i want to seek a uh, lord and find his happiness and peace in his decision it's just like losing your identity but i'm happy and joyful that i'm establishing my identity in christ which is amazing that is amazing Leslie, uh, I wanted to ask you, as you, as a, as a relationship builder, as, as a relationship builder and as a missionary, how do you view uh, Anu's journey? Tell us a little bit about your perspective on where God has brought her. Well, he's obviously transformed her heart. Um, that's been very, very evident. And I think what I see right now is a new believer who loves her family, who wants to honor her family, um, that struggle is real. And so when students make that decision to follow Jesus, um, there's a lot of cost that comes with that. Um, and so we are just very careful to um, pray with them and to and counsel them to pray and to really seek the Holy Spirit on how to go about sharing that with their family. Um, and just recognizing that all of the things that their family and their friends are saying are just because they love them too, you know, and they're trying to wrap their head around this and process what has just happened. And right. so, um, it's been very encouraging to me to see the strength of her faith. Um, she is just devouring scripture and, um, doing everything that, that God sends her way to grow in her faith and to be able to articulate her faith. Um, that's been so encouraging, encouraging to me to watch that. Um, and it's just a privilege that I get to be a witness to that and just be here to kind of encourage her and pray with her and pray for her. So speaking of prayer, Anu, how do you, how would you like people listening to this, to this broadcast to pray for you? How do you think uh, they should pray specifically for you and your future? Okay, so first of all, you need to imagine my situation because sometimes it might be hard for you to imagine what I'm going through. Because um, So you c if you can just imagine uh, your child telling you that whatever you believe is wrong and I'm taking some other path and I want to devote my whole life to it, so it's going to be very hard so if you just imagine and think then you will find uh, that it's it's a hard journey but we are in a family of a kingdom to gl glorify him so if you if you pray that my father heart is open and he he feels that we are sinners and we need a savior i think yeah god will open his heart to my yeah words this concludes another edition of the Inhale Exhale podcast from Fielder Church. I hope you've been moved and touched as I have by Anu Eiley, Leslie Langford, and Jason Paredes. Thank you for joining us. This is the Inhale Exhale podcast.